I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's take a look at a phenomenon, a craft, a UFO. Well, it's not just any UFO. I'm talking about black triangles. But first, as always, let's do the shout-outs. First, a happy birthday to Lauren McCune. Welcome to Jeff, Angie, Manning, Megan, and Melissa. Guess what? There's a new $25 patron-only episode coming up very soon. I'm finishing it now just for you guys. Now for the rest of the shout-outs. Shout-outs to Amber, Angie, Autumn, Seth, Carolyn, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan. Hi, Dan. Daniel, David, Dill, Edgar, Harley, Heidi, J-Mark, Jade, Jeff, Jenny, Jim, Joe, Jory, Joshua, Juliana, Kira, Kyle, Lash, Laura, Laura, Ruth, Lauren McCune, again, happy birthday, Lawrence, Lily, Lionel, Logan, M. Caballero, yes, Maggie, hey Maggie, how you doing, Manning, Manning, sorry buddy, Manning, I already said your name, but it's cool, Martin, Matt, sorry, Matt, Megan, Melissa, Nanashi, Nick, Pablo, Rosa, Sarah, Sarah, Shelly, Lauren, Suzanne, Tosh, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Travis, Troy, Veronica, and Vincente. Once again, if you want to be like the cool kids, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. I could not make this show without them. Thank you so much. Kat, thank you so much for everything that you've done. You still have stuff coming out to you. Do not worry. I will get it out to you, I promise. Now, before we get to paranormal news, I just wanted to talk about some jewelry I saw recently at the Ren Fair. I went to the Ren Fair for the first time in probably 20 years, first time in California ever, and there's a company called Briar and the Rose, Briar, B-R-I-A-R, and therose.com, and they make absolutely beautiful jewelry. I always want to do shout-outs to artists and creative people when I see it, so do yourself a favor, check out briarandtherose.com. I'm not getting paid for this, but you should definitely check out their jewelry. It is beautiful. Alrighty, let's get on over to Paranormal News. Alrighty, how cool was that? Seriously, that theme was awesome. Thank you so much, Buzz Lee, for that one. Buzz Lee, you were awesome. If you want to send over your own Paranormal News bumper music, send it over to Paranormal News, nope, to ParanormalAlmanac at gmail.com. Thank you guys so, so much. That leads us right into Paranormal News. The first story is, Indian Army says it found Yeti footprints in the Himalayas. Mount Makalu is the world's fifth highest mountain, and it's located about 12 miles south of Mount Everest. Now, the Indian Army says it discovered footprints in the Himalayas that appear to belong to a Yeti, or abominable snowman, but we don't like to call him that. It's a Yeti. 
They measured 32 inches by 15 inches, and the footprints were found near Mount, like I said, Mount Makalu Base Camp, April 9th. Now, a spokesman for the country's defense ministry told NBC News on Tuesday that photographs taken by the Army's mountaineering expedition team have been passed on to the scientific community for verification. The announcement, which referred to the Yeti as a mythical beast, was met with, was met with mixed reactions online. Of course it was. They always are. Look, their footprints. I'll put the photo on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Their footprints. It's really hard to tell from this photo that it was bipedal, that it was a Bigfoot and not some guy walking around, that it wasn't just the snow melting around footprints. It's really hard to tell based on this one photo that's in this story. But am I to say they're wrong? No, not really. They're up there. They're actually up in the Yeti, in the Yetis, in the Himalayas. They know what they're looking for. So sure, it could be something like a bear. It could be another person. A Sherpa, we don't know, but it is interesting. They do look very interesting. So like I said, I'll post it on uh, Facebook and Instagram, see what you guys think. This next story says, The Aliens Among Us, an uptick in UFO sightings by military pilots, raises all sorts of uh, questions. So this is a kind of a tie-in story to a story I talked about last week. And it's about how the military are going to start reporting UFOs, but they aren't required to release that information. So sure, they're going to do a lot more official reports on these uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, as they call them now, but they aren't going to release that to the public. So we're still going to have to wait for the Freedom of Information Act for us to actually see what they're reporting. Okay, that actually wraps it up for Paranormal News. I wanted to get right into this topic. This one is a big one. I've got a lot of information about it. But before we get to the topic at hand... Just a reminder, I always want to hear your personal paranormal stories. UFOs, Bigfoots, cryptids, ghosts, demons, anything. As long as it's real. I don't want to hear your best creative writing story about a demon. I want the real experiences. Because next week, we'll be doing the next edition of Listener Paranormal Stories. And boy, do I have some great ones ready for it. But I want more. I want more all the time. I want to hear your stories from you guys. Like I said, I've already got a bunch lined up, but I could always use a bunch more. Okay, with that, you might think that this is a new style of UFO, the black triangles, but is it really? Let's take a look into some very specific UFO black triangles. Now, remember just a second ago when I asked, is this a new phenomenon? Well, for most accounts on black triangles, they have happened within the past 30 to 40 years, and a large amount of those are probably B-2 stealth bombers and other stealth military craft. I'm letting you know that at the beginning. There's going to be some, not really debunking, but identifying of these craft. But that doesn't explain everything. And what if I told you that black triangles have been talked about for centuries? Because from what I can find, the first possible mention of a black triangle craft came in 1561. I'm going to say that again, 1561. It's known as the Celestial Phenomena over Nuremberg. And it's a text-based drawing of a battle, but it is a... Was it a heavenly battle? Was it a UFO? Now, obviously, we won't ever know for sure because it's just this text-based drawing. But many speculate it was a massive UFO battle in the skies. Now, I don't know about that, but I do think... 
someone saw something that is very unexplained, especially for 1561. Now, the only reason we know about it at all is because of a 10-inch by 15-inch Broad Street news article. I guess it's considered a news article. I'm really kind of... I don't know really how to explain what this is. All right, so it's 10 inches by 15 inches. It's called a Broad Street, and they also call it a news article. I guess it was printed... All right, basically, it's a woodcut engraving and text by Hans, by Hans Glazer in April of 1561. So for all intents and purposes, it's this news article that is a woodcut engraving with a photo, with a drawing, not a photo, and text underneath it. Now, basically, it describes a mass sighting of something in the skies. Now, the document still exists today. It's archived in the prints and drawing collection at something in Zurich, Switzerland, at the Zentral Bibliothek. Zentral Bibliothek in Zurich, Switzerland. So it describes a bunch of different shaped objects in the sky, including a thing that looks like a black spear. For all intents and purposes, it looks like a ginormous black spear in the sky. It's very long, very thick. So let's hear it from the translated version of that Broad Street. As you know, whenever a news article is brought up, I want to hear it directly from them. Now, this is a translated version of it because, you know, I need it translated. In the morning of April 14, 1561, at daybreak, between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m., a dreadful apparition occurred on the sun. And then this was seen in Nuremberg, in the city, before the gates and in the country, by many men and women. At first there appeared in the middle of the sun two blood-red semicircular arcs, just like the moon in its last quarter. And in the sun, above and below, and on both sides, the color was blood. There stood a round ball of partly dull, partly black, ferrous color. Likewise, there stood a blood... Likewise, likewise there stood on both sides, and as a torus about the sun, such blood-red ones and other balls in large numbers about three in a line and four in a square, also some alone. In between these globes, there were visible a few blood-red crosses, between which there were more globes. These all started to fight amongst themselves so that the globes, which were first in the sun, flew out to the ones standing on both sides. Thereafter, the globes standing outside the sun in such small, in the small and large rods flew into the sun. I know it's confusing, don't worry, hold on, a little bit more. Besides the globes flew back and forth amongst themselves and fought vehemently with each other for over an hour. And when the conflict in and again out of the sun was most intense, they became fatigued in such, such an extent that they all, as said above, fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they all burned. And then they wasted onto the earth with immense smoke. After all of this, there was, such, there was something like a black spear very long, very thick, sighted. The shaft pointed to the east, the point pointed west. Whatever such sign means, God alone knows. Although we have seen shortly, one after another, many kinds of signs on the heaven, which aren't sent to us by the Almighty God to bring us to repentance, we still are, unfortunately, so ungrateful that we despise such high signs and miracles of God, or as we speak of them with ridicule and the discard to the wind, in order that God may send us a frightening punishment on account of our ungratefulness. After all, the God-fearing... It's almost done. After all, the God-fearing will by no means discard these signs, but will take it to heart as a warning of their merciful Father in heaven, 
will mend their lives and faithfully beg God that he may avert his wrath, including the well-deserved punishment, on us, so that we may temporarily hear and perpetually live there, live as his children, for maybe God grant us help. Amen by Hans Glazer. All right, so I know it's a lot. It's really hard to decipher really what he's talking about. Again, this is a translated version, so we have that issue. It was written in 1561, so it's very flowery, it's very flourished. But the main things to note are when these things start to battle amongst themselves. The fact that these globes flew back and forth amongst themselves and fought vehemently. So that is not something that is, they're not seeing a solar eclipse. There is more to it than that. Then after they fought with themselves for an hour, they fell to earth. They just fell to earth and burnt fell away onto the earth with immense smoke. So it doesn't sound to me like they watched a meteor crash because a meteor doesn't fight amongst itself as it crashes or an asteroid or anything like that. This really does sound like something artificial was seen in the skies, fought amongst themselves, then crashed. Not only that, but after that, this black spear thing was in the sky. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't, but... It does lead to be the it, it does seem to me to be the first black triangle craft on record, I'll put it that way. Like I said, you got to remember this thing is basically a news article. That's what this thing for all intents and purposes is. It's a broadsheet, it's a broadsheet which is basically a news article. We know exactly when it was written, but do we know if anything amazing astronomically happened on that date? Okay, I'll be honest. What I did just then was I paused it and actually searched that date. I wanted a scientific explanation of maybe something celestial happened that date. Maybe there was an asteroid and a meteorite, something that was reported somewhere else in the world that could possibly explain what the people of Nuremberg saw that morning. But I couldn't find anything. And I mean nothing that could possibly explain globes battling each other for over an hour that people saw in the city, people saw in the country. It was reported by many men and women there were a lot of witnesses to whatever this was between 4 and 5 a.m. It was so big and so powerful, it woke people up between 4 and 5 a.m. I don't know what could have possibly happened that day, or that morning. Let's find out what day of the week that was. It was a Friday, and all right, so I just looked it up. It was actually a Friday morning between 4 and 5 a.m. Again, nothing I can find would explain what the hell they were seeing for so long. It wasn't for 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't a bright streak in the sky that slammed into the ground like you see on those, uh, like those Russian dash cams of asteroids and meteor, or not asteroids, but meteorites. We don't know what could have possibly happened for over an hour that people sat and watched that has no explanation. And it's not, yes, 1561 was a long time ago, but it wasn't the 12th century. There was some science here. There was some modicum of intelligence here that people watching this thing didn't immediately sure this story talks about god quite a bit but they didn't say this was a full sign of god like everybody that reported it didn't report it as a full sign of god it's the end of the world any of that crap this guy hans glazer definitely leans towards it was something heavenly something from god but not everybody that saw it reported it that way so i gotta admit like i said i don't know what they were watching for over an hour that crashed, that finally crashed to the earth after battling itself. I couldn't find anything about a solar eclipse that date. I couldn't find anything about a lunar eclipse that date. I couldn't find anything scientifically celestial that could explain it.
All right, with that, let's talk about the size and sounds, because that's the most important part to me, is the sounds of the craft. Now, this varies a lot. From smaller triangles to triangles that black out the entire night sky over the observer, I've found reports of 200 feet wide and 250 feet long. If that's not big enough for you, I found reports that are miles wide and all, and I mean all reports say these things are silent, basically silent, sometimes slight hums, but for other intensive purposes, they are perfectly silent no matter how big they are. They move completely silent, even a couple of hundred feet above the ground, and apart from the lights, which I'll get to in a second, there's nothing common about these crafts. And what I mean by that is, there are usually lights on the ends of each point of the triangle. Sometimes there's also a very large light in the center of the triangle. Now these lights, when I said common, they're almost like marker lights on aircraft that we have today. Many reports, it takes a while for the observer to figure out just how massive the crafts are because a lot start out saying something blocked out the stars above me and then it took their brain a few seconds to realize it was one massive triangular UFO that was above them. Now, those lights that I mentioned in the center, they're not always there, but the lights are either white, sometimes disco light patterns down the sides, or red, white, and green. Again, very typical of traditional aircraft that we have today. What does that mean? I'll be honest, I don't really know. Now let's talk about some of the instances. One of the more famous appearances of these crafts was during the event known as the Phoenix Lights, which I'm sure you guys all know about, but I'll talk about just a little bit. The Phoenix Lights were multiple unidentified objects, many of them black triangles, that were spotted by the residents of Phoenix, Arizona, and videotaped by both the local media and residents with camcorders across multiple evenings beginning on Thursday, March 13th, 1997 very recent for all intents and purposes. Now, I've talked about the Phoenix Lights before. I've talked about them on celebrities that saw UFOs because Kurt Russell was actually flying his plane, his small Cessna-like plane, out to, I believe, Arizona when he saw the lights himself. These things were spotted by experienced pilots, inexperienced pilots, not saying Kurt Russell's inexperienced, uh, people on the ground, all over the place. This was spotted by hundreds of people, thousands of people, actually. Now, some of those lights drifted as low as a thousand feet and moved far too slowly for conventional aircraft and too silently for helicopters. Like I said, please keep in mind the silent part. That's going to come up a lot for a very good reason towards the end. But anyhow, remember, it's too silently for helicopters. Some of the lights appeared to group up in a giant V formation that lingered above the city for several minutes. Now, they tried to debunk this by saying that um, there was a flare scenario, a flare test, where they're dropping flares from aircraft, and that's why they were silently, you know, drifting. But if you watch any of the eyewitness videos from there, it does not look like a flare test to me or to a lot of people. Many of the closer residents reported one triangle to be over a mile wide, that drifted slowly over their house, blocking out the stars of the night sky. So if it's flares they're dropping, flares don't block out the stars over a mile wide above their house. Other reports indicated that the craft were spotted flying away from Phoenix as far away as Vegas and Los Angeles. 
These things were huge, and like I said, were spotted by thousands of people. Alright, now as I said, there was an official report made by the Air Force about the incident, and it's bullshit, but they concluded that the military had been testing flares launched from conventional aircraft during the time. Now, eyewitnesses did confirm that military jets were scrambled from nearby Luke Air Force Base, I think it's Luke, but instead of launching flares, they were seen chasing after some of the objects. So, their official explanation, not surprisingly, does not make sense, does not match what eyewitnesses saw. The next few nights, in an attempt to recreate the incidents, local pilots flew prop planes over the city in a V formation, but the sounds of their engines were easily heard. The original lights made no sounds, and they even tried the whole flares being deployed above Phoenix to try and fool people to be like, see, we told you it was flares, and it didn't match at all. Now, I personally think that the Phoenix Lights is one of the best examples of a modern-day UFO mass sighting. Stitch apparently agrees. It still has not been officially explained to any extent that makes me go, okay, that's possible. Kind of. And I'll get to the kind of at the end of this in a little bit, one of the main explanations. I'm not saying that the Phoenix Lights are one of these main explanations, so don't skip ahead, but it is possible, but not really. Okay. Now, there's some evidence that Churchill had a UFO experience, but since it doesn't clearly mention a triangle in all the articles, I'm going to skip this story, but don't be surprised if I do like a Churchill and the UFO stories in the future. In fact, I had to filter out a lot of UFO stories where some websites said black triangle, but the, mo the, like, the majority of the other websites all said the typical sphere UFO shape. So if it wasn't universally triangular... I skipped it from this um, from this episode. Don't be surprised if some of the ones that you think are the most famous black triangle ones, I skipped. The only reason I did that was if there was any doubt at all or any discrepancy at all in the reporting of them saying that we're spheres instead of triangles, I skipped that one for the most part. All right, so we're still on incidents. Let's go back a couple of hundred years to July 3rd, 1882. Because for 45 minutes, the residents of Lebanon, Connecticut saw something. Quote, two pyramidal luminous protuberances appeared on the moon's upper limb. They were not large, but gave the moon a look strikingly that of a horned owl. These points were a little darker than the rest of the moon's faces, uh, rest of the moon's face. They slowly faded away after a few moments after their appearance. About three minutes after their disappearance, two black triangular notches were seen on the lower half of the moon. These points gradually moved towards each other along the moon's edge and seemed to be obliterating nearly a quarter of its surface until they finally met when the moon's face assumed its normal appearance. Now again, this was written in 1882, so you kind of have to take some of the flourishes with... Uh, kind of have to update them a little bit. Now, when they say obliterating nearly a quarter of its surface, they don't mean it was destroying the moon. They mean it was blocking out these moon, the moon. These two black triangles were big enough that when they were looking at the moon, it was blocking out nearly a quarter of its surface. It also doesn't mean that these things were on the moon. A lot of people report, here's proof that black triangles were on the moon. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about while looking at the moon on a clear night in 1882 when it would have been very easy to see the moon because there's not this light, um, there's not all this uh, light pollution that we have now. 
They're watching the moon, they're looking up there, and they're seeing two triangular crafts, two black triangular crafts that were blocking out a big chunk of the moon. There was no mention of noise, so they're silent. It is hard to determine how high up they were, but just from this report alone, there's nothing natural that could cause that. There is no lunar eclipse that will cause two triangles that meet up that obliterate a quarter of its surface of the moon. So what were they looking at? Something that wasn't normal, something that wasn't natural. Then a few years later, at 8.30 a.m. on September 8, 1885, Miss Adelina D. Bassett said that she saw a strange object in the clouds coming from the north. She called the attention of Mrs. L. Lowell to it, and they were both somewhat alarmed, it said. Now, they continue to watch the object for, for just some time. It doesn't say exactly how long, but for steadily for some time. It drew nearer. It was triangular-shaped. So these two women watched it and saw it. Then afterwards, General Lefroy of the U.S. Army in 1885 said that it was a balloon that had escaped from France or England. Is that possible? Yeah, I guess it is possible it could have been a balloon that escaped from France or England. Sure. Okay, from there, let's jump to 1965, near the village of Skeeby, North Yorkshire, in England. Nine triangular objects, each about 100 feet long and flying in a V formation, were witnessed by a man driving his 1951 Ford. His engine sputtered and died, and he climbed out to investigate what, what happened to his car, and that's when he saw all of these objects moving about 100 feet above the moor. As he watched, it shot skyward and joined eight other identical objects. So he saw one, it shot up instantly and joined eight other identical objects. Unfortunately, that is the extent of that report. I want to hear way more about this one. There's a good chance that this guy is still alive. It was 1965. He was driving his 51 Ford. He saw nine triangular objects above Skeeby, North Yorkshire. And I'm sure Skeeby is not pronounced correctly, and I apologize. I should have checked beforehand. But that's not important. What's important is these nine objects. I want to hear how long did he watch them for? What happened after they went away? Did they shoot up and just disappear? Did they slowly fly away? Did his car start up as soon as they disappeared? I want the details of this story. So if this guy is still out there and shockingly seems to be listening to this, or if you know this guy, if you ever met this guy, you've ever interviewed him or saw him being interviewed, I want to know more about this story. All right, from there, let's go to 1969. There was a British petroleum oil tanker called the British Grenadier. Now, it was in the Gulf of Mexico when suddenly a triangular UFO appeared over the ship. It was described like an arrowhead. It remained over the tanker for the next three days, appearing dark blue during daylight hours and silver at night. According to the ship's log, on the first day, at one minute past midnight, the engine shut down, only emergency lighting and steering were operational at that time. Now, the tanker was very new, it was seven years old, it was pretty much state-of-the-art. So they restarted the engines, but only after a full manual shutdown and restart of the pumps. The second day, the food refrigerators failed. The third day, at one minute after midnight again, the engines shut down again. Now, the starter motor for the engines had been dismantled and the parts laid out as though they were being examined. Twelve hours later, the craft vanished. Here's my problem with this one. Oh, well, there's more to the story. 
A crewman passed through an open door to the nearby crew quarters was shocked to discover that the same door had been welded shut before the tanker had left port because of a fault. So they don't know how this welded door could have been opened. It's a great story. Fantastic story. But here's my problem with it. It's 1969. It was a British oil tanker. So it was a very big ship, very state-of-the-art, very expensive ship. Nobody on this ship had a camera. For three straight days, nobody could call anybody to come and investigate this thing, either by ship or by air. 1969, airplane could have got out there pretty damn quick. It's also the Gulf of Mexico, where a lot of tankers are. Nobody else reported this? Obviously, I think we should take this one with a grain of salt because, frankly, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like I said, it's been reported by a lot of sites as being real. I want to know more. Again, it's 1969. The people that were aboard that ship should still be alive. Where are they? I want to talk to one of the witnesses of this. I want to see... I want to chat with somebody or interview somebody that was actually on the British Grenadier when this happened, so I can ask him some of these basic questions that aren't answered in the reports. Now, the good thing about these reports, as if, in case you haven't figured it out yet, they're going in chronological order. So again, the more recent, the better the reports should be, and we should be able to actually find these people that actually made these reports and talk to them. But a lot of them, unfortunately, didn't want to be identified because of that whole UFO stigma, which really sucks because that whole UFO stigma stops us from finding out more information from the people who are actually there. So anytime anybody called someone crazy because they saw a UFO, that stigma is stopping us from getting more details and it drives me crazy. Alrighty, December of 1977. This one's real short. A triangle with yellow lights at the tip and a red light at the center was seen near... Bretnock in France. Bretnock, B-R-E-T-T-N-A-C-H. The craft moved slowly and silently before angling to 45 to 50 degrees and vanishing as though into a fog. I really like this one. As short as it is, I really like this one. It says it was slow, it was silent, it started to angle up, then vanished as though into a fog. These things don't seem to vanish like... All of a sudden, they go supersonic, and you can see them streak across the sky. No, these things seem to just vanish. It just kind of, poof, and gone. We have nothing that can match that. If these things were just shooting off somewhere, I would say, all right, that's just a supersonic jet. That is a military craft that went supersonic. I can get behind that. This whole vanishing as though into a fog, which a lot of UFOs are doing can't be explained by modern military craft that we know of anyway. All right, let's move from there to the 80s, where some observers claim to have witnessed a vast black flying wing estimated between 600 and 800 feet in width passing silently over city streets in California. Silently, very important. The craft moved so slowly, one observer claimed that he could jog along with it. The aircraft reported ex reportedly executed bizarre maneuvers in which it stopped, rotated in place, and hovered vertically, pointing its thin trailing edge towards the ground. So this one did a lot of funky stuff. Now it's in the 80s. That is getting close to the time frame of them testing the B-2 bombers. B-2 bombers, though, cannot do 90% of what this thing did. It can't 
go so slowly that you could jog along with it. It can't stop, rotate in place, hover vertically, none of that. So what the heck were they seeing in the 1980s that, again, was completely silent? December 1981, a retired police officer from Kent, New York, saw several lights to the south. Now, at first he thought it was a plane that was in trouble, but when he got closer, he realized this was not some aircraft that he recognized. He saw that the lights were attached to a triangular structure, and it was traveling so slowly and almost silently, except for a slight hum, a low hum. So, he got very close to it. Very close to it. Now, this is a police officer who should know better to what it is. He's professional. He couldn't figure out what the hell he was looking at here. March 1983, a telephone hotline was opened, receiving 300 reports on its first night. That same night, the police switchboard in Yorktown, New York, was also, report, also received reports, and the road became blocked as motors pulled over to watch a flying triangle overhead. Apparently, between 1982 and 1986, 5,000 reports came from the Hudson Valley area. Almost all of them were triangular craft. Now again, this is very recent. I want to talk to any of these people who were actually there when it happened. 1988, a man named Brian called into a radio program. Here we go. Grain of salt time. I can't find any evidence of this radio program. I don't know what to make of it. So he calls them and he says they were talking about the triangular shaped object that moved at a snail speed on a TV show. My cousin and I witnessed that on July night on a July night in 1988. It came straight over the mountain just as slow and made absolutely no sound. I had just moved back from Arizona. I was living on a farm out in Fairview, North Carolina, he said. My cousin had come over to have dinner with me. We grilled out and had some steaks. As he was getting ready to leave, and I was walking him out to the car, we both looked up and saw the exact same thing at the exact same instant. This quote-unquote monolith, and I'm not talking about something the size of a Boeing 747, I'm talking about five 747s, came straight up over the top of Cedar Cliff Mountain. He said it was totally silent, but it had three or four distinctly different colored lights on it, and it just barely went over it, I, or barely went over us. I got my binoculars out, and I even got my hunting rifle and looked at it through my scope. And he said, um, he and I stood there in total silence for 10 minutes watching this thing move slowly down 74 across where Reynolds High School is, across a little mountain range right there across from the parkway. It never changed altitude. We just stood there, and we were looking at each other like, did we just see this? So he said his cousin tried to call the Asheville Regional Airport and report the observation shortly afterwards, but said they had just laughed him off. Again, he said, this thing was humongous. If it wasn't for the fact that he looked at it with binoculars and through a hunting rifle scope, I think this one might have had an actual explanation that I'm going to get to in a little while. But I don't think that this one can be explained because, like I said, he looked at it for 10 full minutes through his hunting scope and through binoculars, and he didn't say what I thought, what, what this possible explanation might be that I'm going to get to, don't worry. So this one is unexplained as far as I'm concerned. Okay, that's, we're going to leave the 80s, let's jump into the 90s. During a birthday party at my old house, there were about 40, feet, 40 people who witnessed this thing. Out of nowhere, someone said something like, look at that, or what the fuck is that? 
So the whole party went silent. It was probably one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had. There was an eerie silence as everyone stared at this large object gliding by. It was the size of two football fields, a perfectly shaped black triangle with three bluish lights at the tip. I remember it being black, but it sort of looked like it had veins on it. It seemed to defy laws of gravity. For something so large and so close, it didn't make a peep. It was dead silent and just gracefully glided. Again, I don't think there is a reasonable explanation for that one either. So let's move on to the next one. March 30th, 1990. A triangle was seen over the cities of Glans, Belgium. Glans? I don't know. It was seen in over a city in Belgium by a police captain. Very important. He reported it to the military and two F-16 fighters were scrambled to intercept. They encountered the UFO and maintained a and managed to attain a radar lock on it. The footage of this encounter is now world famous. The jets played cat and mouse with, its, with this object for over an hour. Each time, each time they got a lock on it, the UFO would quickly move away. The triangle would quickly move away. The pilots reported that the UFO executed maneuvers that were impossible for the F-16s to do. At one point, it went from 10,000 feet to 500 feet in only five seconds. An investigation of the incident by the Belgian Air Force concluded they were, they were unable to identify the nature nor the origin of this object. The man who signed this official report, Colonel Wilford D. Brower, also did a report with the local Belgian Society for the Study of Space Phenomena, and his conclusions were, the day, will the day will undoubtedly come where the phenomena will be observed with technological means of detection and recording, which will not leave any doubt of the triangular origin, of the triangle origin. This should raise part of the veil which covers the mystery for a long time. So basically, he's agreeing with me that one day we're going to figure out what the hell these things are. Science or military or something's going to figure out what exactly we're seeing because they're not explainable now. Alrighty, let's get to the 2000s. January 1st, year 2000. Chatham, Ontario. Now the short story is a black triangle with a light on each corner was 100% silent, stationary above a house. There was no way to explain the way it left Earth. No acceleration, no sonic boom or anything. If you would have blinked, you would have missed the quote-unquote takeoff. Again, it just seems to vanish into a fog. Just woof, gone. Alright, this next one I call BS on, but I wanted to add it anyway because it was reported to the National UFO Reporting Center. Again, I call BS on this one. Encountered large triangular object while night fishing off Farland Island and fired 100 rounds of 22 ammo at it. On the evening of the Super Bowl Sunday, I was hauling up a line of crab traps off of Farland Island with my dog aboard our 25-foot boat. While leaning over the side, my, my dog started to bark furiously. I looked up and saw a huge triangular object hovering above with no sound. I was hit by a beam of white light and fell backwards onto the sole of the cabin. I grabbed my Ruger 10-22 rifle loaded with a 100-round banana magazine and started firing as fast as I could until the clip was empty. I was able to shoot out the light of the UFO. While grabbing for a second clip, I saw a hatch open up on the bottom of the side of the on the bottom side of the object, and two people leaned out and said, "Stop shooting at us, you idiot." The only other noise I heard was a hissing sound like air escaping from a flat tire or something. As the object moved off to the south, I saw a helicopter come off the top and move in next to my boat about 20 feet off the water and 50 feet away. 
Someone in the side door held up a camera and flash of a picture of me in the boat holding the rifle. The helicopter made no noise and had no markings on it. It was solid flat black, as was the huge triangle. The chopper then took off towards the Golden Gate Bridge, climbing up. The triangle slowly gained altitude and was last seen heading south. I left the area for port and went out Wednesday to finish hauling in my traps. At first, I thought it was an alien UFO and was genuinely startled by it. However, now I believe it was an experimental military platform for transporting a small fleet of black helicopters that leave and enter out of the top of the huge, silent, floating triangle the, side of a, the size of a football field. A rigid airship, if you will. So, you see my problems here? This guy shot 100 rounds at a rigid airship, blew out the lights, and the only thing that happened was two people leaned out of a window, out of a hatch, and said, stop shooting at us, you idiot. No. If this was really a, an experimental military craft that for transporting a small fleet of black helicopters that was a rigid airship, this guy would have been taken out. It's experimental. No one should be seeing it. If you're shooting at it, they're going to take you out. I call bullshit on that story, but... Like I said, it was a fun one. It was reported to the National UFO Reporting Center, so I wanted to put it on here. All right, I got a few more stories, so let's get on to this next one. The year was 2000, Southern Illinois incident. The St. Clair Triangle, or as it was called, the UFO over Illinois, or the Southern Illinois UFO, or the Highland Illinois UFO, occurred on January 5th, 2000, over the towns of Highland, Dupo, Lebanon, Shiloh, Summerfield, Milstad, and O'Fallon, Illinois. Shortly after 4 a.m., Five on-duty police officers around these locales, along with other eyewitnesses, saw a massive, silent, triangular craft operating at unusual treetop levels of the treetop levels and speeds. One of the officers even managed to get a single Polaroid photograph of the object. Eh, not really. It's not a good photo. It's not anything that I would even say. Like, if you guys want to look it up, like I said, it's. Look up the UFO over Illinois, the Southern Illinois UFO, the Highland Illinois UFO. It doesn't show crap as far as I'm concerned. Now, the incident was examined in various television shows like Seeing is Believing and a special called UFOs over Illinois. So it's really been reported and reported well. All, even with all of these TV shows, there's not any more information. There's not any more um, eyewitnesses that are credible as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot of unanswered questions for something that's been researched for so, so long. Now, again, if you're one of the people that saw this thing and you can prove that you were there that night, I want to talk to you. I want to ask you some questions. I'm not saying you're a liar. I want to, I just want to hear your story. All right. 2004 to 2006, the Tinley Park lights. Three red lights hovered in a triangular formation were seen by several witnesses in Tinley Park and Oak Forest, Illinois. Again, Illinois. Illinois got hit hard by triangular, um, by black triangles in the 2000s, early 2000s. So, let's see, August 21st, October 31st, October 1st, 2005, October 31st, 2006. These were all seen by a lot of witnesses. Now, they seem to be attached to each other through a dark object, so people could actually see the object, and there is no explanation as to what they were seeing, but... I personally think those can be explained. It'll be later in this episode. I think those all can be explained, especially some of those dates. Alrighty, let's get to 2010. Me and three friends coming down a long road, a long country road in the middle of Mississippi. 
uh, in, I think, 2010, maybe 2011, coming back from college, all at the same time, see a huge two-football field black triangular craft. I was driving and slowly and started to slow down and take a better look and also rolled down the window to see if I could hear it. Not a single sound. It was effortlessly, effortlessly gliding through the sky and in an instant disappeared over the tree lines. That's the important part. They saw it, then poof, it disappeared. I recalled the craft looked like almost two football fields. Classic red light in the middle of the craft. Classic lights on each corner. I don't know why he calls them classic, but whatever. What blew my mind most, that it took me a while to realize that the time observing the craft is that the mass or the bulk of the craft was cloaked. I could see the stars in the sky through the craft as it glided through the sky. That was my only close craft encounter that I've ever seen close above in the sky. Like, I love saying close. Um, here's my problem there. He says at first it was completely black. Then he says, actually, I could see the, sky, the, the stars in the middle of the craft. I don't know what he means by in an instant disappeared over the tree line. Does he mean the trees blocked it out? Because if that's the case, it's explainable. If it means it disappeared, that is very interesting. So I don't know what to make of that one um, just because the wording of this. And unfortunately, he's just some guy that posted online. So I can't ever get in contact with him. Again, if this is you and you were the one who, who saw this and can prove it, I want to talk to you because, again, I think this one might be able to be explained depending on what you mean by instantly disappeared over the tree lines. All right, 2013 Utah. Utah witness at Wellington recalled a UFO encounter from 2013 where a three-story tall, triangular-shaped object about 600 feet long moved silently overhead while being followed by black helicopters. This was in a testimony in case 82397 from MUFON. The guy says, I parked my truck and began a post-trip inspection. I then climbed up the ladder on the top of the tanker, placing me approximately 12 feet off the ground and added to my height when I saw this thing. So he was very close to it. He had a very good look at this thing. And again, perfectly silent, being followed by black helicopters. Again, those are reported quite a bit by a lot of people who see black triangles. They see the black triangles, and then they start seeing these unmarked black helicopters. Why? I don't really know. Do I think that these helicopters are just following them, the following the black triangles, like they're part or, or they're with them? No, I think they are legitimately chasing these black triangle UFOs, which again, to me, means we don't know what the hell they are. And I think that's very important. Alrighty, like I said, I only got a couple more. 2014 Kansas and Texas sightings in February and March of 2014. A black triangle was photographed multiple times over Kansas and Texas in the daylight. That again is very important to me because one of these explanations I'm going to get to can't be done in the daylight. It's very obvious it is not this. So they saw these black triangles in the daylight. An amateur photographer named Jeff Templin snapped pictures of a triangular aircraft while photographing wildlife in Kansas. March 10th, 2014, Stephen Douglas and Dean Musket photographed a triangular-shaped aircraft giving off a long contrail over Amarillo, Texas. Contrail, not chemtrail. Chemtrails are bullshit. Contrail. Something natural that happens with aircraft. Now that is very important because that leads me to believe this is something that is man-made. Because man-made objects leave contrails. The engines that we have today leave contrails. So this seems like it was a 
B-2, or some other stealth bomber that these guys saw. Alrighty, California 2017. California witness at Escondido reported watching six groups of multicolored lights in vertical triangular shapes hovering about 500 feet over nearby treetops. Now again, this was uh, done to MUFON, and he said the witness was looking north from a four-story balcony at 8.40 p.m., April 15, 2017, when the objects were seen. One large, vertically-oriented, triangular arrangement of multicolored lights was seen hovering about 500 feet above the treetops, one half mile to one mile away. This one can be explained. We have the date, we have the reported sighting, we have the time. This one can be explained. I'll do that for you in just a minute. I wanted to add that because I want some of these to be legitimately explained, and that leaves a whole ton of them that cannot be explained by modern aircraft. All right, Michigan 2017, Michigan witness at Lennon reported watching and videotaping three massive triangular-shaped crafts that hovered under 100 feet off the ground. The, the witness reported was a, was in a vehicle. He was moving along Karuna Road when he had the feeling he was being watched, June 8, 2017. As we broke the tree line, I noticed three lights in the sky from the distance I was at. It looked to be no more than 70 to 80 feet between the three lights. As we drove by, my mother stopped the vehicle to gain a better view. I began feeling mortified and terror consumed me. The craft hovered ominously, making no sounds, pulsating a flurry of colors. This one, again, can be explained in just a minute. Canada 2017, there's a photo. So that photo from Canada 2017 will be on the Facebook and on the Instagram. Georgia 2017. Georgia witness at Savannah reported watching two large triangular-shaped objects hovering over the city at 9.45 p.m. on April 25th, 2017. Uh, I was sitting in the passenger seat looking out the window. We were headed south on the East Broad when I saw two very large triangular craft hovering above the city. They were very dark. Dark gray to black in color. They were covered in large, round, white lights. The crafts were parallel to each other and, and perpendicular to the ground. The widest part of the triangles was closest to the ground with the top pointing upwards. They stayed stationary. I saw them above the city, fairly low, flying fairly low, flying for any sort of air traffic. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't say what happened to these objects. Did they just stop watching them? Did they go, well, that's weird, and then keep driving? Why? You're seeing something so bizarre that you freaked out about it. Watch them. Where did they go? What direction did they go? How fast did they go? Did they disappear? Come on, people. If you see something like this, stick with it. Alrighty, let's see. 2018. Um, I'm going to start skipping around here. Let's see. 2018, Algonquin Park, Ontario, Canada, 2 a.m. A group of five people heading back to their tents looked up and saw three lights moving in unison across the sky. They couldn't recall if it covered any stars when it went by, but it made an, ex an exact triangle. It was moving quite slow. That can be explained. That's another one that can be very easily explained in just a little bit. London, uh, bum, bum, British witness, uh, let's see, London, two to three times the size of an A30, A380 passenger jet moving overhead, according to testimony from MUFON. They said Jupiter was very low in the sky. We were wondering what it was. We got out of the, we got out my phone and using the Skyview app to work it out, we both commented on the fact we had never, ever remembered seeing Jupiter, or if we had, we didn't know that's what it was. So they're looking at this app, trying to figure out what they're looking at in the sky. Now, they say that the London skies are always filled with passenger aircraft coming into uh, Heathrow, and they were on one of the flight paths they use. The planes came in from the east over a house and headed out west before they turned towards Heathrow. The witness said 
that the object was about two to three times the, the size of an A380 passenger set, passenger jet, something that they see all the time. He says, it flew right over us in one fluid motion in a slight arch. It rotated slowly as it moved across the sky. It probably made one full rotation in the time we witnessed it. It flew from the west horizon to the northeast horizon in about eight to 10 seconds. It was completely silent. The sky was completely clear. There were no clouds and the stars were very visible. We both watched this object come in, pass right over both of us. We knew exactly what we'd both seen. It was like, it was like watching a science fiction movie or one of those UFO TV shows, but real life. We both just watched it until it wasn't visible anymore, then looked at each other, both shocked but excited, and said, what was that? Then we both said together, that was a UFO. We knew exactly what we had seen. The object was so clearly a solid structure, but it also had a film static kind of shimmer to the underside of it, a bit like a digital glitch. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was like a cloaking device with switching on or switching off. This was so incredibly strange and overwhelming, it has most definitely changed our views on UFOs. Another one in 2018 from a British witness. Um, they both were watching the same, basically they said the same thing. Uh, Pennsylvania 2018. We heard, a, we heard and witnessed a helicopter with a searchlight hovering over and scanning the countryside and water. As we watched it, we became aware of four other aircraft flying at higher altitude than the helicopter. The craft flew in a pattern directly over our home. They were triangular in shape possessed pulsating lights, their surface was black but reflective. They flew northwest. The entire encounter took four minutes. All right, so that's, that about does it for the reports, all the incident reports. There's a lot more, but I kind of want to skip ahead. I didn't realize how long I've been actually talking about um, reports. So there is another source on black triangles, and that's Robert Bigelow's National Institute for Discovery Science, now, you might remember him from the Skinwalker Ranch episode, and if you don't, you should listen to that one. So this guy really deep dives some of these topics, and he says that the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS, says the database-driven study of the flying triangles show the following patterns. One, sightings take place near cities and interstate highways. Two, they're seen at a low altitude in plain sight of eyewitnesses. Three, they fly at extremely low speed or hover in plain sight of eyewitnesses. Four, the vehicles sometimes fly with easily noticeable bright lights, either blinding white lights or having bright disco lights that usually flash combinations of red, green, or blue. Now again, this part is interesting to me because it's very reminiscent of the lights seen on conventional aircraft. I think that is very important. Some of these can be explained by conventional aircraft. Why would... UFOs from other dimensions or other worlds follow the same lighting convention as our aircraft. It makes no sense. Uh, NIDS emphasizes the flying of these vehicles may be more in harmony with an attempt to display or to be noticed. There appears to be little or no attempt to hide. That finding has led to a modification of earlier NIDS hypothesis that the triangles are a covertly deployed DOD aircraft. Again, not only do I agree with this, but I like this. They're right. They're, these things don't attempt to be high. These things don't seem to want to hide. They don't care that people are seeing them. That is not something that is typical of experimental aircraft or DOD aircraft or military aircraft that we don't want the, that the government doesn't want us to know exist. It doesn't match that. These things are just flying. Whether or not people notice them doesn't seem to be an issue. 
It goes on to say, while it's too early to dismiss the previously published NIDS correlation between triangle sightings and a subset of the U.S. Air Force bases, the apparent association with the centers of population may point away from a covert program. Rather, it is consistent with routine and open deployment of an, of an advanced aircraft. Now, neither the agenda or the origin of the flying triangles are currently known, but it does not appear to be consistent with the covert patterns of deployment that we saw with the F-117 and the B-2 prior to their acknowledgement. This is open, even brazen, during the ensuing years of 2000 to 2004 when they did these reports, NIDS received hundreds of reports from people in the United States and Canada reporting large triangular objects, often silent, often flying at very low altitude or at low speed. In many cases, the objects were brightly lit. NIDS files also include reports of flying triangles from remote areas. Okay, what they mean by that is in the mid-2004, NIDS reviewed its database that contained the locations of the triangle sightings in the United States. The sightings of the triangles appear primarily adjacent to population centers and along interstate highways. Both coasts, there doesn't seem to be just like one little hot spot. They had 400 separate sightings of a triangular, sometimes boomerang, sometimes wedge shape, but definitely not circular, not a sphere. Many of these crafts were brightly lit, low-flying, traveling at unexpected low speeds like I just said, and they don't know what to make of them. This is a deep dive, an actual report of someone who wants to know what the hell we're seeing, and they can't figure it out. Now, a declassified research, it's part of the Freedom of Information request, basically, from the UK Ministry of Defense, says that a code, a project codenamed Project Condine, C-O-N-D-I-G-N, released to the public in 2006, draws several conclusions as to the origin of black triangles. The researchers conclude that most, if not all, black triangle UFOs are formation of electrical plasma. Bullshit. It is a stupid UK Ministry of Defense report that we managed to receive, we managed to get because of the Freedom of Information Act, and they're saying that these electrical plasma interactions often occur triangular. I don't buy that shit at all. Alrighty, so as you can tell, that the triangles, they're seen around the world. But the leading theory on what they are is a secret military plane that hasn't even been confirmed to it being real. It doesn't even know, we don't even know if this thing exists yet. Now, there's a good chance it's real. But like I said, Black Triangle sightings went crazy with the B-2 bomber as it was being tested. And the military denied it its, its existence for years. But before I get to that... Let's talk about two other possible explanations from the U.S. military that go back to World War II. So I'm going to get to the B-2 bombers and all of those sightings and all that crap, but let's go to back to World War II. The Northrop YB-35 and YB-49. These two were experimental heavy bombers that were built and flown right after World War II. Now, they weren't flown a lot, but they were spotted mostly over California and tested for years with various designations like the B-2T, the YRB-49A, and the EB-35B. Ultimately, these things just didn't work well enough to become a mass-produced bomber for the U.S. military. But, so many test flights happened that they confirmed that some of these test flights do correspond to triangular UFO sightings. 
That's right, these things were huge. They were triangle. They were triangular shaped, I guess. Now here's the problem. These things were loud, really loud. Frankly, one of the most common aspects of all of these sightings were a hum or complete silence, not that this thing was so freaking loud. These YB-35s and YB-49s were loud, World War II bomber loud. They were insanely loud. Not only that, but the YB-35 and 49, like I said, these things just didn't work very well. These things were, these things were clumsy. Not this high-tech, lightning-fast triangles that people, dis they watch it and they just disappear or so slow-moving. No, these were traditional planes flying at traditional speeds very loudly. It just doesn't match up with the black triangle UFOs for most of the reports. Like I said, some of the reports do match up to those time frames, but I didn't include them because they were so easily debunkable. Now that leads us to the main suspect that most ufologists think explain most of the black triangles. Again, something that doesn't even officially exist, but it has a name. Why? Because conspiracy theorists name these things. It's called the TR-3A Black Manta. Can also be called the TR-3B Black Manta. Now, this is the rumored to exist surveillance craft that the U.S. Air Force is supposed to have built as a Black Project military craft. The only real evidence we have that the thing exists is eyewitness sightings mostly near Edwards Air Force Base in California. And now, that's where most of the Black Projects are being tested, so that does match up. But who's to say that these TR-3A Astras and TR-3B Mantas and all that crap, who's to say that these people know what the hell they're looking at? They're just seeing black triangles flying in and flying out. We don't really have a, quote, expert. It's, sure, it's supposed to be a subsonic spy plane. It's black. It's shaped like a triangle. So's the B-2 bomber. So, so some of these drones that we know exist. We know some of these craft do exist, but ufologists or conspiracy theorists all blame the TR-3A Black Manta and the TR-3B Astra. So, is there any proof at all? Well, in 1999, Edgar Fouché, a supposed former Area 51 employee, talked about an exotic tactical reconnaissance aircraft called the TR-3B Astra in a BBC documentary. Now, the TR-3B was claimed to be a successor for the TR-3A, built by Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. It would also be a space plane of a new kind using top-secret gravitational shielding engines called the Magnetic Field Disruptor, or MFD. Sounds great. Here's the problem. Real experts say the physical description of the MFD engine is pseudoscientific at best and impossible. Now, I don't have any problem, though, with an impossible drive or an impossible engine because the impossible drive, EM impossible drive that's being made to power long-range space missions doesn't seem to have any scientific reason to work, but there are many people in the scientific community that say they can't explain how it does work. So there is a thing called the EM impossible drive. Again, it's for long-range space missions. They don't know how it's working, but it does seem to work. So I don't really have a problem that there's something called an MFD drive. Sure, all right, a magnetic field disruptor. Sounds real, sounds like it could be real. We don't know what the military are working on now or have been working on for past 15, 20 years, 
because it hasn't been released to us yet. Black projects are so far advanced, I would not be surprised we had crafts that can do what the Black Triangle UFOs can do. Now, am I saying that all Black Triangles are these TR-3B Astras? Not yet. Until I'm proven, until it's proven to me that what everyone is seeing is a secret military craft built by Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, it's an unexplained phenomenon. It's a UFO. It's an unexplained aerial phenomenon. That doesn't mean it's aliens, but it doesn't mean it's not aliens. I don't know what it is yet. Now that leads me to this explanation that I've been hinting at this whole episode. This next possible explanation for a lot of the slow-moving black triangles is just that. Now it has to be slow-moving black triangles. Seen at night, completely slow-moving, not disappearing, not poofing out of existence, just slow-moving, completely silent black triangles. It's surprising, but frankly, it's the best explanation, and I'm shocked that this is the explanation and that I agree with it. Blimps. That's right, blimps. Like the Goodyear blimp? Now, I know some of you are thinking right now, but they aren't black, nor are they triangular. Well, you're right, sort of. Blimps are pitch black when they make their overnight journeys to the next big game or the event. They are slow moving. They are silent. And the running lights on a blimp are on three locations. Three spots that when connected by straight lines are a triangle. This isn't some bizarre theory. This has been proven time and time again, but I'm going to get to that. So they're slow moving. They're silent. They're huge triangles. You laugh at this, here's some proof. Skeptoid did a research into these types of slow-moving black triangles, and guess what? The FAA had blimps on their flight paths that linked up to a lot of UFO reports with MUFON. A lot of them. The exact times, the exact dates, the exact locations. So again, this doesn't explain all of them, but it does explain a few of them. Not only that but there's often two blimps flying side by side, which black out a huge amount of the sky. The lights still make a triangle shape. They're completely silent. It's very hard to determine what, because again, they're pitch black. It's hard to determine the shape of the internal object. So you're basing it on just the lights, what a lot of people are doing. They say it took their mind a second to kind of connect the dots, if you will. When you connect those large triangular dots with a black object in the center, moving completely silently and very slow, so slow you could jog along with it, it matches up. It matches up to a lot of these, but it also leaves out a whole lot more, a bunch that can't be explained yet. The ones where people see the black triangles during the day, the ones where they poof, take off instantly. Blimps can't do that. There are a lot of these that can't be explained. So I know some of you people are going to boil this down to Kurt debunked this episode, but he barely had any explanation for it, and I don't buy the debunk. First of all, if you think I'm debunking something on an episode that can't be explained, write to me. Say, hey, you didn't explain that enough for me, and if I have more information, I will. 
because I do have to make sure that these are still in a time frame. I can't go on and on about a debunk for four hours. So I edit it down. I tell you the debunk. I put that question in your head. Sometimes it's just the question. Can these be debunked by X? Then it's up to you to go, all right, that question is there. It's a valid question. So some of the debunks aren't going to be laid out for you in a diagram. This blimp one can explain quite a few that I read to you and even more that I didn't read to you. Okay, that being said, before I end this, there is one pick of the black triangle. I'll throw it up on Facebook and Instagram. It is quote unquote, the most famous pick ever of a black triangle photo. And it's from Belgium. Here's the problem. It's probably fake. There is just too much evidence online that that guy took the pick he tried and probably succeeded to create a fake UFO photo just to become famous. There is a lot of proof he took many pictures of something he created and only one looked real. But again, I'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure you've seen this photo if you've seen any of these Black Triangle UFO episodes or something on TV. They always use this photo. This guy has said he created this thing. He took a lot of photos. This was the only one that looked real. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of crap because I said this guy is a fake. But guess what? This guy admitted to it. He said he created this thing himself and he wanted to become famous. And guess what? He did. Okay, so what do you guys think? Now, I think there are multiple things people are seeing. Some man-made like blimps. Some that definitely defy our scientific capabilities and have no explanations. I personally think that black triangle UFOs could very easily be extraterrestrial in origin. At least some of them anyways. Until we get some of these great photos of these mile-wide massive ones that show that they aren't from this Earth, I don't know what to think. I firmly believe we, do not, we don't have anything of that size or scale that's man-made. I don't believe in that rigid airship with, with helicopters that fly off it that's all unmarked. I don't buy that. It seems to me we're seeing something that is exactly what a UFO it is, is an unidentified flying object, an unidentified aerial phenomena. These things are unidentified. I don't know what they are. I don't have a clue how we could make something miles wide and keep it a secret. Is that a, is that a possibility? Yes, sure. Again, there's a lot of black projects out there that we don't know about, we won't know about for years to come. But with everything, with ghosts, with UFOs, with cryptids, I think science can explain these things. I think that there's a good chance that they were either at one time extraterrestrial and we got the technology and we're, we backwards engineered it and we're using that, or they still are extraterrestrial. I think that we, what we're seeing originally, whoa, I think what we're seeing originally was extraterrestrial. Whether it's still extraterrestrial or not, I just don't know. What do you guys think? What are black triangles? Have you ever seen a black triangle? If you have, I want to hear your story, but I want details. I want good details. I want you to be able to tell me how long you took watching it. Did it disappear? Was it silent? Did it hum? Could it have possibly be a blimp? Now that you know this blimp story, this blimp scientific explanation, explanation, 
Could it be a blimp? What you saw, thinking back on it now, could it have been a blimp? And yes, I know that that would be a bummer if you think, if you thought for years that what you saw was a UFO and it turns out to have just been a blimp making its nightly, um, nightly adventure across the country to another event. Yeah, that would suck. But explaining things is always better. It might not make for the best story anymore, but explaining things is always better. Okay, once again, I've been your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Lee City Passage, yeah, I'm in Lingarsh, Albert, as it.